Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. From Mark chapter 1, let me read you this story from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I want to tell you uh, a little bit of, uh, I want to tell you this story, then I want to just talk about the way I see us kind of pivoting and hopefully uh, launching into, taking a big step into 2020, New Year, New You. Jesus and his disciples went into uh, Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Let's pray one more time and ask God to speak. Lord, um, it's just my habit to, to ask after we have read your word, that you would add to the reading of your word your blessing and your anointing, that you would help us to not just be hearers, but to also be doers of your word. We pray that we would have open hearts to receive it and that it would fall on fertile, good soil so that it would bear good fruit in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The reality of something is oftentimes different than what we imagine. We imagine one thing, but then when we experience it, it turns out to be a little bit different. Kids are a great example. The reality of raising kids and having little ones, I, should, I can only speak from my own experience, having little ones, three and a half and, and uh, seven months, it's, it's better and more challenging than what, you, what I expected. Now, we have people stay with us all the time over the holidays. We had a whole, you know, just as a revolving door of people staying with us in our home. It was a wonderful time. Friends and family all coming through and staying. And the ones without kids you leave with, like, PTSD, okay? It's like they leave in shock. They, they literally, they can't, you know, Ava will regularly come in at 5.30, 5.45. That's when our day starts. No matter how late we were up, she's good to go at 6 a.m. no matter what. And, and so they, that means that stuff, you know, stuff starts getting noisy if they're sleeping on the couch downstairs. There's no way to get away from them. So they, they you know, and then they don't have kids, and so they just don't know about that life. Now, to parents, it's not a surprise. But there are also some young couples that we know who are, you know, thinking about having kids. And I usually want them to, you should spend time, you should spend like an extended period of time with kids and with our baby, Aria, because... When she sneezes in your mouth, it's going to set your timeline for childbearing back like five years, right? That's, you're going to be like, no, thank you. It's, that's not what I imagined, right? 
We have an imagination sometimes, I think, for, for Jesus' ministry, and it, it, it comes to us not because, not necessarily from the actual history that we have, but maybe from the stained glass and from the impressions that we've gathered over the years of what Jesus' ministry was like. The reality, however, was a little bit different sometimes than what we imagine. It got wild out here at times, <laughs> right? Things got a little crazy. Mark tells us that Capernaum was the home base for Jesus' ministry, okay? And that name, Capernaum, means village of comfort. That's what it means. Um, it was where Jesus' ministry began. It was kind of his home base, but by the end of his ministry, I want you to pay attention here, it's also the place that Jesus would denounce as worse, as, as de deserving more judgment than Sodom, okay? Now, that's a, that's a pretty striking reality here. Because even though Jesus said he performed miracle after miracle in this place, the people were not moved to believe. The people of Capernaum did not believe. And so I, I want to say it got wild sometimes out in, in, this, in this whole place when Jesus is out ministering. Things, things got a little bit crazy sometimes. And so I have a few points today from our text that I'm hoping that you'll consider with me. Number one, for those of you who take notes, keep score, whatever it is, this. Jesus did not come for comfort. He didn't come handing out blankets and warm drinks. <laughs> in his own words, he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. Most of us don't like, we don't quote that verse very often. It's not like on the bathroom wall in our, in our uh, house or anything else like that. You know, he didn't come for comfort. Jesus came for confrontation. We misunderstand sometimes why Jesus' ministry, who, how Jesus is operating, and so we're confused oftentimes in our own lives when we experience discomfort as we serve the Lord. Because in our minds and in our imagination, of course, Jesus came to bring comfort, right? But then when we experience uh, you know, discomfort or even confrontation, we wonder what is up and how come God is not in this, <laughs> right? What do you do in your life when things get uncomfortable? And how do you handle it? What, what about this? How are we supposed to handle it when it's the devil who wants to comfort us and it's Jesus who wants to confront us? How do we handle that? Because it's actually a thing. In church these days, a lot of us are, are very quick to run from challenges and discomfort. We're very quick to feel like to write that off as, well, that is not for me because certainly that can't be from God. Now, here at our church, we talk about it. You'll hear it many times. Our, our purpose is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to do. And I want to challenge you, as we just kind of look ahead now, we're just peering over the edge into 2020. I want to challenge you to say 2020 needs to be a year when you take steps forward in God's purposes for your life. Even if that means a little bit of discomfort even if that means that some things have to be confronted. Because, as we see in our text, some things have to be confronted before they'll come out, before we can get rid of them. Some things need to be identified and named before they can be reconciled. Let me ask you a question. Why was this man in our text able to sit so comfortably in church with an evil spirit? Right? It's, it doesn't say that he came busting through the doors. It says one from their church was sitting among them. 
Now, isn't that interesting? Because point number two is this. Being in church is not the same as being free. Being in church is not the same as being free. Paul talked about it like this, the Apostle Paul. He, he said that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's a, there, there's, a very, there's some very famous books written by philosophers called Soren Kierkegaard talked about fear and trembling, and it was based on that verse. Paul says, hey, and, and C.S. Lewis, I think, really helped me understand this because he says, God puts salvation in us, but now it's our job to work it out. Work it out. We don't, we're not the ones trying to earn our salvation. God gives us salvation. But once he gives it to us, we've got to work it out into our lives with his help and by his grace. And this is really important. I, I think there, it's possible to be in church but not be free. We say it all the time, but I am going to, and I've been poking at this. This is my description. Over the past six to eight weeks, I've been poking at this, and, and I know that I'm getting a reaction from people because people will come up to me and talk about it a little bit. You talked about that. What did you mean? I've been poking at this thing, but today I want to kick it. All right? Because this is what I want you to understand. We cannot tolerate sitting in church and, and knowing that we've been forgiven by God, but then persistent in our sinful habits. It just doesn't work for us to do that. We are missing out on God's best for our lives. I am not saying it is God who gives us salvation, but it is time in 2020 for some of you to actually take steps by faith to begin to work that out into your life in a more tangible, experiential way. I know, I knew it was going to get quiet in here. It's about to get even more quiet. <laughs> Christianity Today had an article that said that last year in America, Americans watched four and a half billion hours of pornography. Four and a half billion hours in one year's time from one website. Now, I know that when I start talking about this stuff, first of all, parents are gonna cover their kids' ears, but don't cover them because they already know all about it. <laughs> okay? 90% of, of, of boys under 16 have been exposed to pornography. 90%, nine out of 10. And four and a half billion hours of pornography being viewed in America in one year's time is something that I have to say. There are a lot of people sitting in church, churches just like ours, who are in bondage, who are wrapped up, who are, who are, who are completely slaves to this, but who need to be free because that's what God's purpose is for them. You don't have to persist in this any longer. My prayer is going to be that going into 2020, we'll experience a new clarity and a new grace to live free. I don't want us to labor any longer under a false idea about who God is. We can be free of that. I don't want us to live a self-centered, me-first life or lifestyle. We can be free of that. I'm not just talking about addictions. I'm, I'm talking about our kind of day-to-day -day even dependencies that we have that when we can't relax or have a nice time without having a drink in our hand. There might be a need, if that's you, there might be a need to get free. There's all kinds of things, and I could go down a laundry list. My point wouldn't be to kind of mess you up and make you feel guilty here, but listen, let me just help you understand. I'm not just talking about being more moral. I'm talking about actually living free in God's purposes. 
Because when we live out patterns of fractured relationships over and over again, when we, when we step into abusive relationships over and over again, when we deal with self-sabotage or anger problems or greed, it's time for us to get free, to recognize that, to name it and say, you know what, this is not what God has purposed for me. When we perpetuate the patterns of sin in our families, when we blame others for our situations and we defend our dysfunction, it's time to get free. We get offended, though, when somebody challenges us a little bit. It's not my fault. Everybody else does this. Or better, it's legal now. There are a lot of things that are legal, but they're still lethal to your relationship with God. There are a lot of things that are permissible, Paul said, but not every one of them is beneficial. So be careful that you're walking in the freedom and in the love of God, that you're walking in the wisdom of God. That's what God has purposed for you. You wonder if I'm talking to you. I am talking to you. But more importantly, God is talking to you right now. 2020 for you needs to be a year where you walk free. Praise the Lord. Being in church is good, but being free is better. The man in our text was in church, which was great. I don't think he would have heard Jesus preaching at that moment had he not been sitting there in church. I don't think there would have been this confrontation that took place had he not been there. So kudos and congratulations for being here at church today. Being in church is good, but being free is even better. So, at least when you're in church, you can be around people who love the presence of God. Some things are only going to become clear in the presence of God. You might live your whole life, and you could have a moment of clarity in the presence of God during a time of worship, and it might not be a preacher preaching. It might not be anybody talking to you. It might just be a moment of clarity that God gives to you because when you are in God's presence, things get stirred up. Some things are only going to become clear when they get stirred up. Some sin patterns will only be broken when we speak to them in the presence of God. I, 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 I've heard this phrase. I have a, a mentor of mine that says this all the time. There's no healing in hiding. When we refuse to address the stuff in our lives, when we refuse to address the junk in our lives, when we refuse to name and identify and actually begin to address the sin patterns in our life, everybody makes mistakes, guys. Everybody stumbles and sins. I'm not, trying, I'm not talking about perfection, but there's a difference between making a mistake or maybe falling into something that you say, oh, man, I completely blew it right there, and I need to apologize, or I need to ask God for forgiveness. There's a difference between that and living in persistent sin with a pattern or a habit of sin in our lives that we have allowed, we've created space for in our lives. There's no healing in hiding. That's why when we talk about, we, that's why we talk about relationships here all the time. Because the journey toward freedom is never a solo journey, right? It's never something that's, that we do alone. Uh, think about the book of Genesis when God says he creates one day, it's good. He creates another day, gets through day six. Not only does he say it's good, he says it's good, good. Double emphasis in the Hebrew, it means it's very good. Most translations will say that it's very good. But I love just to say it's good, good, because I wish we could kind of just get that in English, that we, if we like it, we just say that's fire, fire, you know, like something like that. Um, it's good, good. That's the way God says it. But the first time in the book of Genesis that God says that something's not good is he says it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. 
The first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry was he got a small group together. Twelve people. And one of them was a devil. So we know that not every, not every small, even Jesus' small group wasn't perfect. <laughs> okay? So he got a small group together because you and I are not supposed to walk out this journey alone. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. You see, we ask God for forgiveness. And whenever we ask God for forgiveness, he gives us that forgiveness by the grace of Jesus Christ instantaneously. But when we want to experience healing and freedom from sin in our lives, we actually confess our sins to each other so that we can be prayed for. And that verse that talks about the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective, that's the next verse, and it's referring to this. If you want to get free from sin, you need a righteous person to pray for you because that will be powerful and effective in your life. So, 2020, starting the week of January 19th, we're, gonna, we're doing something different as a church. We are pressing pause on our regular small groups. And so if you're guests with us, just bear with me here for a minute because if you're gonna be out of town and this isn't a thing for you, uh, you heard about it already. Uh, can we all agree that it would be great to have Simon do the announcements video every week because we just love to listen to that accent in this awesome church. Um, that was great. But, but Seth and, and, and Simon, they talked about freedom groups. And we have run uh, seasons of small groups uh, almost since, you know, the first few months that we started as a church. But we're pressing pause on all of our learning and life groups so that we can get on the same page as a church and do what we're calling freedom groups. Now, these are just small groups, but it's, a, it's the same curriculum. So instead of everybody doing their own thing, we're doing this one thing. And it's just a video-based curriculum where we're just going to uh, talk about this topic of having the right mindset about who we are in Christ, about understanding our identity, and then being able to walk free and experience the full life that God has given to us through Christ Jesus. So it's going to be about eight weeks of that, and I'm expecting this. You say, well, what are they? They are small groups following the same curriculum about how to walk free in Christ. Now, when I say small, I'm looking for groups of four to seven people. Because I want everybody to be able to, to talk. I'm not looking for 12. That's too many. There's always, in a group of 12, there's always one talker. In Jesus' small group, it was Peter, okay? So, you know, in, in your small group, you, if, if you don't know who it is, it's probably you in the small group. But this is it. Four to seven people or so in a small group. And they can meet any time because the, the curriculum is going to be available on our app. So you can just pull up the, that video, you can watch it, it's about 10 minutes long, and then we're going to have some questions lined up for you guys to talk about, and then you're going to pray for each other. And for eight weeks, that's what we're going to do. When do they meet? All times, during the week. Some are going to meet early morning, some are going to meet during the day, some are going to meet in the evening. Some people, I'm sure a smart thing to do would be to meet before church or right after church. Right, because everybody's you know, either you know, kind of maybe going to be here or, or uh, planning on, they're, they're free on their Sunday morning. So who are they for? They're for everybody. This is the thing. Our whole church is pressing pause on small groups to be available for this. They're not just, because this is the thing. There are people, we, don't, we sometimes might not even know the kind of mindsets that we've kind of been laboring under, the kind of patterns of thinking that have kind of been tripping us up and keeping us from experiencing that life in Christ. We don't often even know that. We could be sitting in church. I guarantee there's going to be testimonies after this of people who've been in church for 20, 30 years who are going to say, you know what? Praise God. I feel like I'm, I'm free, and I didn't know that I wasn't as free as I could have been. 
That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna pray for. At the end of this thing, we're gonna have even. We're gonna invite everybody who participates to come out for like an afternoon and evening retreat. We're gonna have like a, a moment together where we all pray together and we all uh, worship together, and then we're gonna have a, gr a, a great dinner, like a big celebration to celebrate. And we're gonna mark that moment and say, from this moment forward, whatever these things that God has brought up, whatever these things that have been stirred up as we've talked and prayed for each other, we're gonna believe that we're gonna walk free from these things from this point forward. That's what we're doing. If you want to know about this, we've been saying this, and we've got, a, we've got about 60 people or so signed up in this way, but we want you to text FREEDOM to 312-313-2729 if you want to get updates. Uh, you know, whether you get the text, you're going to get updates from me no matter what. Like I told you, I'm kicking at this thing now. I'm not even just poking at it, all right? If you're interested in, in hosting a group or facilitating a group, you want to get a few friends together to be a part of this, we're going to have a meeting next week after church. So that's just going to be an informational meeting for those of you who are interested. I don't really believe that we can get further, the, you know, further down the road of where we want to go as a church until we start actually being serious about this. I, I want to see. I, I really believe that we don't get to actually be the blessing that we are called to be until we get free. And so if we want to talk about being a blessing to our community and to our city, this is an important step. It's, it's so key that we take this part seriously because without it, I believe that we, we sit there, we're kind of crippled in our, in, our, in our relationship with the Lord, in our effectiveness for the gospel. And so let me encourage you, being in church isn't the same as being free, and that's what God is after. Number three, God's power at work in broken people is not always pretty. How many here have ever done cross-country skiing? Raise your hands. Okay. How many here have never done cross-country skiing? Okay, most people, I think. If you've never done cross-country skiing, I can describe it for you. You know that part of downhill skiing where you get to the bottom of the hill, but you're trying to get over to the lift? That's cross-country skiing. <laughs> it's super awkward. <laughs> and, and, you know, like nobody really looks that cool when they do it. Um, that's cross-country skiing. And I, I really feel, I don't know how, it just ended up like people didn't have the hill. They're like, we don't have a hill, but we want to ski, so let's, let's go try it. You know, they're like, hey, remember how you did it when you're trying to get to the lift? Let's do that. Um, it's awkward. And basically, anytime we're trying to do something new, it's generally awkward. And so I, I've had a friend who said for years, if you aren't awkward at something, then you aren't growing. And I think that's been a good, um, a good you know, thing to remember for me. Whenever Jesus shows up, in our text, Jesus steps into this church service, and it gets really awkward. It goes from a normal Sabbath celebration to a very awkward moment amongst the people. I, I, whenever Jesus shows up places all throughout the Gospels, it gets a little bit messy. And I can think back to my favorite story from over 20 years of youth ministry was a story of something that was supremely awkward. <laughs> because there was a young lady, and this is the reason, Shannon, why I, why I was actually thinking about you today, because there's a connection uh, before Shannon Sullivan actually came to Christ and became a missionary, there was a connection here between these two people because her mom was actually involved as a therapist in this whole situation. I, I just remember there was a young lady named Erica, and, and, and she had kind of, I watched slowly over the course of 12 months as she declined. She, she took on an eating disorder. Um, she she uh, was anorexic. And, and as time went on, she just basically shrunk down to just nothing more than skin and bones. 
She was hospitalized multiple times. She was re regularly seeing th therapists and, and, and going through counseling and trying to, to intervene. And for those of you who don't understand this, this is a disease that, that can be fatal. Many times it is fatal. And it's a, it's a horrible thing to watch somebody go through. And she was terribly frustrated. We, we would, I, I remember sitting in her, with her in my office and, and praying with her, praying for her, her weeping and saying, I just, I want to be different. I want to be free of this. But she was out of control in this way. She was not free. And I remember the, the profound frustration that I felt. God, why aren't you intervening in this? So in one weekday service that we had, she was there and she actually left in the middle of service during the worship time because she literally thought, I really want to go and I want to end my life. And she, one of our youth leaders kind of caught you know, ran into her going outside and encouraged her to come to this retreat that we were having and, and just said, hey, just, just give it a chance. Just come this weekend. So we had to do all, we had, every, we had people assigned to her to make sure that she was going to eat during this retreat time. We had people, we, we always had a youth leader with her. We talked with her, but she knew ahead of time. She knew she needed help, but she just couldn't get free. And so here we are in the second night of this, of this retreat. And during this time, I see her coming from across the room in the middle of this time of prayer that we're having after, after the service is over and people are just kind of praying for you. I see her coming across the room and she's like weeping in her face. I just couldn't see, and it was dark. I couldn't see what was going on. I thought, oh, no. I hope, I, she just had a terrible experience, something. I just, like, she's just going. I didn't know. I, my heart sank because I'm like, I just want this. And then as she came closer to me, I saw that she was actually doing a laugh cry. Okay? A laugh cry, for those of you who don't know, is this. <laughs> I mean, it was like, all, it was like, and, and, and she was like, come in, and then she, through her tears and her laughing, she was saying this, she says, I can't stop laughing. I haven't laughed in over a year. I can't stop laughing right now, and I don't know what's going on. How do I deal with this? And I said, listen, Erica, sometimes when God touches us in broken places, it, it gets messy. And the reaction that we have is, is not always composed. I said, but I believe this is God, and you need to go with it, okay? So this is what I want you to do. I said, I want you to go. You're going to take a couple of youth leaders with you, and you're just going to go back to one of the rooms, and you guys are going to sit down and laugh together and pray together and just let God do all that he wants to do. Now, let me tell you, in that weekend, this young lady who was at the point of death, her therapist said, I had no hope for her. At the point of death, everything turned, and God set her free. She went back, and literally, she was asked to share with all, to bring hope to all kinds of groups of young ladies who were dealing with this same disease, and to go and share her story with them about how, now this is not in, in Christian settings, but to share her story of how she got free. Praise God, because this is the thing. When God touches broken people, sometimes it gets messy, but that's okay. It's okay if it gets messy. When Jesus shows up at Capernaum, a perfectly good church service becomes really messy. And this man is now shaking on the floor and shrieking. And let me tell you, some religious people, they will prefer order and composure to healing and transformation. You can see that all throughout the Gospels. The power brokers of Jesus' day felt that he was a threat to the established order of things, so they did away with God in the name of peace and quietness and order. I refuse. I will not 
for the sake of order and composure, turn away God's blessings and God's freedom. And I don't want you to do that either. Don't get me wrong. I don't want the shaking and the noise, but I don't mind the shaking and the noise. That's not even the point. I don't care whether you sit silent or you shake in the presence of God. I don't care if it's pretty or if it's not, so long as you leave transformed by the power of God. Number four, freedom has already been purchased for you. We can forget this, but the people in church that day, they were there taking notes at what Jesus was saying. Actually, they were there evaluating what Jesus was saying, but the demons were trembling because they knew what this meant. They were the ones, who, the demons actually knew why Jesus had come, but the people in the pews didn't know. It's possible for us to miss this, that freedom has already been purchased for you. And it's possible, even in our own lives, to believe some lies for so long that they feel like truths. As a matter of fact, sometimes our enemy can use a perfectly good truth to tell a lie, right? There's a part right before our story where Jesus is led by God into the desert to be tested, and the enemy appears to Jesus. The devil appears to Jesus, and he attacks Jesus with a Bible verse. He takes a perfectly good truth, and he attacks Jesus with it. He quotes Psalm 91, and he says, hey, if God is really going to protect you from injury, why don't you throw yourself off of this peak? And you know what Jesus says? He says, it's also written. I mean, isn't it interesting the devil is quoting the Word of God to the Word of God? <laughs> Jesus says, it's also written, don't put, your, put the Lord your God to the test. It's like Jesus says this. Jesus says, those are facts what you're saying, but it's not the whole truth. Because you can have facts, but then you have the truth. And the facts don't, aren't always the same thing as the truth. Some of you guys want to kind of track with me here. Paul says this. He says, I'm hard-pressed, I'm crushed, I'm persecuted, and, I struck down, and I'm struck down. Those are all facts, but Paul says that's not the whole truth. He says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. So we will not lose heart. Here's the truth. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory, an eternal glory that far outweighs all of these struggles. That's the truth. That's the whole truth. You might have experienced loss in your life. That's a fact. You might have been victimized. Facts. You have failed maybe profoundly. Your maybe you messed up your family. Facts. You might be wrestling today with discouragement or doubt. Facts. But the truth is that your wrestling is never going to be wasted. The truth is that God is able to show his overruling grace and power through your weakness and through my weakness and to cause us to triumph. So praise be to God who leads us in triumphal procession. Let me just tell you that might be a fact about you even somebody might speak the truth over you and mean it to be a curse but God's truth about you is not a curse it's for blessing yeah. 
You need to know the whole truth about what God says about you. So don't believe everything that people say. Don't believe everything that you read. Just because somebody posts it doesn't prove it. The most difficult thing about the internet is verifying that quotes are true, Abraham Lincoln said. <laughs> don't believe it. In 2020, we're going to commit ourselves to believing, to understanding the Word of God. Watch me here. To understanding the Word of God and to standing under the Word of God. It isn't the truth that I quote, that I sing, or that I preach that changes me. It's only the truth that I apply to my life and that I receive by faith that changes me. The power is in the application. The power is in, is in putting it in there, putting it on. It's like soap. Tell your junior high boy, the power is in the application. A, long, a while ago, I took a friend out to dinner, and there are some people who are, there's, there's certain people who, will, who actually do this. They're very kind, passive people. We went out to dinner, and I was going to pay for it, and uh, the, wait, the, the server brought out um, our, our, our dinners, and, and he got something that wasn't what he ordered. And I said, wait a second, that's not what you ordered. He said, yeah, it's okay, it's fine. It says, this will be fine. I like this. So I'm, I'm, pay, I'm paying for this. I want you to get, get what you ordered. You know, he's like, no, 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 it's okay. Don't make a fuss over me. Don't make a fuss. I'm like, I want to make a fuss over you. You know, and I'm, here I am, you know, <laughs> trying to get the, the, the server's attention. Come over here because this isn't what he ordered. We got to send this back, right? We got to send it back. Here's, here's the point. I, I, I really think this. First Peter says this. You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited. Not with gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless lamb of God that paid the price for your and my freedom. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is that God has purposed freedom for you. But also God has purchased freedom for you. So when you, you and I live anywhere beneath that freedom, we don't just have a right. We have a responsibility to say, you know what? This is not what God has purchased for me. And I'm going to send it back. If it isn't from God, just send it back. If that word that was spoken over you as a child isn't from God, send it back. If that lifestyle that you're leading isn't from God, send it back. God has something better for you, and it's our job as his sons and daughters to step into our rights and responsibilities and say, I will have nothing less than everything God has purchased to give me. Here's what I know today. Jesus did not die to get you to church. He did not suffer. He did not experience all that he experienced and choose the way of the cross and lay down his life and, 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 and step out of that grave on the third day just so you and I could get to church. He did that so you and I could be free, so that we could be on our course, headed toward heaven, living heaven's joy and life right now, today. That's what Jesus died for. And so anything less than that today doesn't make sense.